Talking Kong, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Season 11, Episode 1, Joel Meadows. Right. Hello there, everybody. Welcome along to Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. My name is Len Sultana, and each and every Sunday we talk comics, Comic-Con, and all the fun and nonsense that we get to enjoy at such shows. This is episode one of season 11, which means I appreciate there may be one or two people who have not seen the show before and seen what we get up to. Um, I say it's season 11, uh, but uh, do not ask me how on earth we've kind of worked out how these seasons work, but this is the 11th block of uh, shows that we've done over the last sort of 10, 10 years or so of doing this. Uh, what we do is um, a series of uh, podcasts each and every Sunday leading up to San Diego Comic-Con uh, this year happening on the last week of uh, July 2024. Um, it's our kind of ramp up to that big event happening in uh, California. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be an exciting one this year, if anything, because we are still looking at the ramifications of COVID. We're looking at the ramifications of uh, some studios scaling back their uh, promotions and a whole bunch of uh, studios and publishers deciding not to attend San Diego Comic-Con for whatever reason. And therefore the shift in the pop culture landscape, certainly when it comes to fandom, um, certainly amplified on the uh, the floor of the San Diego Convention Center. Um, by all means, please do jump in on the comments. Uh, we've got ourselves a live stream right happening uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, of all things, um, even though I may not be on that platform myself uh, so much. Certainly the actual uh, the channel's up and running, so hopefully you're watching wherever you are. Uh, we've got ourselves a live stream happening on Instagram. We can only live stream to Instagram for an hour, which is handy because this show never goes more than an hour, unless, of course, I'm doing something ridiculous like building a Lego uh, model. Thank you so much indeed to everybody who joined me for my kind of pre- uh, launch episode uh, last week where I kind of answered some questions, hopefully, gave you a bit of a picture about who I am and what I do. Do by all means jump to uh, my channel, uh, Englishman SCCC, and uh, watch highlights of that particular build. You may notice that my chatter and my talk kind of fades away about halfway through a seven and a half hour build of the Lego Dune Royal Atreides uh, Ornithopter purely because I ended up trying to concentrate on the build and get that sorted. Which, by the way, if you are uh, vaguely interested, um, yes, it did get finished. And I do have uh, my Lego Dune Ornithopter now, which is uh, up and running. Um, and it is now taking pride of place uh, around the, my room. So considering that it's it would take, it will take a force of nature to actually dis demolish this thing. It's gonna take some effort to actually uh, tear that apart. So no, I, that's not becoming uh, un disassembled just yet. But no, thank you so much indeed for joining us on that particular episode and uh, jumping in. Uh, what about the missing brick? Uh, the missing brick I found buried all the way underneath the desk, which means, yes, as my brother is wont to tell me, it is technically incomplete because if i then open up the wings uh, open up the wings up you go they they do they do open i swear there we go 
and if you spot on the corner there that does not necessarily match the same color scheme that's because that belongs there and it is supposed to those there are bricks from my um uh, the uh, ex executor lego model so yes i kind of cannibalize one to save the other Pfft, what can you do found the brick i'm gonna have to take the whole thing apart and put it back together to make it work look it was a fun build and i hope you enjoyed it um right so like I say, each and every week we talk to uh, various people about uh, conventions, about comics, about uh, pop culture. We get various guests in throughout the course of uh, um, uh, a Sunday. And uh, hopefully uh, you're going to enjoy uh, my guest uh, for this week, uh, which is uh, an old friend of the uh, the podcast. And it's great to have him uh, join us again. We've got Joel Meadows uh, joining us. And he's in perpendicular Hello. mode. So I'll tell you what, I could actually ah. even so I go like that. So oh, here we go, yes. more of his uh, <laughs> delightful face. Hello there, Joel. How the devil are you? I'm uh, very well, and thanks for having me on as ever. Uh, no, thank you very much indeed for joining us, because um, there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about, um, and it's great to have you uh, as the first guest back, uh, because like I say, old uh, friend of the uh, the show, it's great to have you uh, back on uh, at Talking Con. Um, and I apologise for it being such an extended gap since I was last on air. And it's uh, you've well, it's, it's nice to have you back, though. Well, thank you. You've had it a, is nice to have you. You've had a busy period uh, while yes. we've been away. So uh, we, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and, of course, guys, as always, any questions that you have, please do let us know what uh, you'd like to know from Joel because uh, plenty of stuff to talk about. Number one, uh, let's talk about your conventions because you have been particularly busy uh, with the shows that you've been to. Uh, and I do want to talk about uh, the shows that you've been to, the focus that you've had as those shows, and also what you kind of perceived about how those sh shows have evolved. Because you did go to New York Comic Con uh, last I year, did didn't I did indeed, yes. Now, you not only went as a exhibitor you kind of you hosted a very special event at the yes uh, what was it the Ca national cartoonists gone oh no it was it was just the trip it was a tripwire panel it was a oh, tripwire okay. panel at the show and we brought along boxes of jaffa cakes and jammy dodgers which i i scrolled into my bag and i was quite worried that the customs people would stop me and say why are you bringing these things but it, it was absolutely fine um but i wanted to bring a little bit of england to the panel so i thought it'd be fun to bring those along and people responded well some people were actually familiar with these items some americans i was quite surprised to see that um but we had a decent turnout it was a thursday morning so it was right at the beginning of the show but we, we did have a good turnout of people and we just we just talked it was myself uh, rob salkowitz ed Cato, and my tripwire partner in crime andy coleman um and am i missing somebody yes i am i'm missing the your partner in crime whose name completely escapes me dan berry oh dan berry well so yes. it was it was a fun panel. We'd never we'd never done a panel at New York before, and you know it's quite nice to add to the old CV. I know you've done San Diego panels, but we've probably never to. done a New York show a panel before, so it was it, it was nice. And I said it was a good turnout. What was the focus of the panel? What was the panel about? Well, I guess it was thirty-ish years of tripwire because you know it was thirty years prior to that, and unfortunately, the anniversary book didn't go quite to plan. Shall we say right. we'll leave it there? Uh, but we we wanted just to look back at comics journalism in the last thirty one years, I guess it was, and look at how it's changed and and how you can report on comics, because um, obviously other people on the panel 
you know, Rob's very experienced. You know, Dan is is obviously getting there, and obviously, and and Andy's obviously worked with me for a lot of years. So, just to get different perspectives from people about comics and reporting on them, and how the things have changed, how the markets evolved, it's changed hugely. I mean, Jesus Christ, thirty-one years ago 30 actually it's 32 years now um you know the internet was there but it's very basic everyone had dial up um you know so you had to wait just put your phone down i'm not quite sure you probably do remember that leonard but i'm sure there's a lot of your listeners are probably unfamiliar with with that so the idea of having to put your phone down to be able to connect to the internet listen to that fabulous noise aol and and all of your providers it was very now it just sounds like ancient history you know we were like the the, that neanderthals sort of working on this thing but it is interesting you know and and i brought some old issues of the mag which look incredibly primitive now and it was just it was it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed it it was it was you know and the people were you know on the panel were great and everyone was was definitely up for it so no it was it was a lot of fun um i i think when i've done panels in the past you always find there's like those two or three moments where where you actually get some real proper insight uh, i mean it's great to hear comments from people and you kind of get that whole dialogue going but every once in a while you re- you get those nuggets which you go the light bulb goes on and you sort of like think, oh, I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. When it comes to the perceptions about comics journalism, I mean, I'm certain Rob had a, a fair few of these uh, because the man's were the most perceptive blokes I know. Were there, were there any kind of like nuggets that you just took away from that panel and went, you know what? Yeah, that's a, a real change to the landscape. I'm going to embarrass myself a little bit because I, I've had quite a busy last few months. And while I will say it was interesting, I don't remember specifics about what the, everyone contributed well but i'm afraid i may have to fudge it here because i, I don't remember I and mean, we had a good conversation and we talked about actually i guess what was interesting and it wasn't necessarily what you were talking about it was about our first experience with comic creators um and rob kind of trumped us with um his meeting will eisen when he was 12 years old or something and and nice. and in some card game and i can't remember exactly but it, it was interesting and i felt like all of the the rest of the panel really engaged you know with the subject and and things have changed i mean you know we've we've tried to evolve you know we've got the website we obviously brought the magazine back um because i like print i like web as well but i still you still can't beat having a physical object in your hand you know, I really enjoy doing that. And I just, and design, I think I've really, you know, come on in terms of my design skills, hopefully over the last, since I'll come back in 2020 in print. Well, it's a, it's a question that I've always wanted to ask you about that because yeah, you, I, I've got a number of the, uh, the, the Tripwire books and I used to read Tripwire as a, um, a that print magazine back in the day uh, yes. when I used to go into Forbidden Planet and or uh, I think it was Forbidden Planet, and I, I think they used to get comic the, showcase, uh, perhaps uh, maybe the, the um, traveling man. Traveling man used the to traveling carry man, yes, of course. Of they course. Used, to, used to carry it as well. But back in the day, uh, I mean, we're talking when Wizard was around as well, and there was that kind of ability to kind of develop a a long standing um, communication. Uh, it was monthly to monthly. You did have your letters in the back of your comics. Um, yes. So there was, and, and, and people were reading comics more episodically. So you had that more watercolor. Oh, that, yeah, that water, water, water. In 2024, then, when you have the, the, the metabolism is so much mm. faster, where, yes. does print, where does a print version of Tripwire stick into that particular uh, landscape then? Well, I, I think 
depth rather than breadth, I think, is our remit now. So the last issue had six years of Doctor Who. Uh, the previous one had Anniversary of Sandman, a piece about Akira Kurosawa and a piece about Loma from Cub. I think we can offer you know, we can offer greater depth than the internet. There's nothing wrong, and I'm not criticising the internet because obviously we run our own website, so it serves a purpose. But I think for print, I think it's it's all about offering people a greater depth of the subject. And also I think things like reproduction of, of art and, and of images, I think in print, it's, it's hard to beat. You know, there's some really beautiful stuff, which looks okay, you know, if we look at it on your browser, on your phone or your laptop or your tablet, but looking at it in a print magazine or a print book, um, it's hard to beat. Yeah. Um, so taking it to um, the the US, obviously here in the UK, Tripwire is more of an established name. I mean, yes. obviously there are readers, certainly of the US, of the the website in the US. How did people take to Tripwire um, as a UK publication, and also about what um, the, your perception of uh, the pop culture and comics landscape was? I mean, do, did they how well? How did they take to Tripwire? I guess. Well, I think I think it was very positive. I mean, I, I, some of the people in the in the panel audience I recognised as people I've talked to online and I have met at other shows. Um, I mean, the UK. I mean, the one thing I pointed out to them was, you know, as a UK comic reader, it was harder to get comics than it was in the US, and you had to really search. You had to go to Forbidden Planet or Comic Showcase or especially. I mean, news agents did carry them, but they were few and far between. They were. I, I don't know if you remember, but they were two months after the US editions came out in the news agent and there were issues that were skipped and some issues didn't make it to the news agents um but i mean yeah, i think we are seen quite favorably it's it is interesting i mean our take is different you know as the americans i mean you talk about wizards and i'm afraid i'm not a i was never a big fan of wizards obviously it had a it was very important for the market and it was uh, you know very dominant but i, I, remember I, don't, know if, I don't know if you're a viewer of uh, cartoonist kayfabe um, occasionally, I do occasionally yeah, check it the, out. Yes. The, the guys um, they go through the issues of uh, Wizard, and although they are ostentatiously um, celebrating uh, Wizard yes. with those uh, weekly weekly episodes, it really does come across that like they're not fans of Wizard, and you do wonder why it still holds a place in um, a comics journalism when it does feel very. Um, Piecemeal, Thin, it feels. It feels very tawdry. Yeah, uh, childish. It's, it's, Sorry, I, I, these are words <laughs> I might use, perhaps. Uh, no, I, I mean, it, as I said, it served its purpose. It was very big, very popular. I mean, what's funny is that someone told me a story: is that we relaunched our magazine in full colour for three disastrous issues in 2003, and I, and I was told by somebody that Wizard hired a designer from Vogue to make it look more like our magazine. Which I was, I said, was kind nice. of very surprised about, um, but we did really badly. We did it through Smith. It was, it was a horrible catalogue of disasters for a number. Of, I think we're ahead of our time a little bit, but it, but it was so. I mean, I, I was, I have been to a round table with Garib Seamus at San Diego in the early 2000s, and I met him, and he said, "I'm Garib Seamus," and I said, uh, I, "I said, I, I know, I know you are, I know your name. I'm aware of your work." <laughs> Yes, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, I guess it, it, it was, it was the, I guess it was the perfect magazine for the time. It, you know, it, it reflected the industry as it was, you know, 30 years ago, but we wanted to do something a bit different. You know, what it's funny, sadly, Richard Ashford, who used to work, he's edit speakeasy, just died. Uh, he used to work for Acme and I was a huge fan of Speakeasy because it was very reverent. You'd have Grant Morrison's columns, you know, people taking the piss. It was really, it was very different to, I mean, for me, the best American comic magazine 
was probably something like Amazing Heroes. I felt much more of a connection with that because I felt like it was better, even though it's black and white, I still enjoyed it more than Wizard, I admit. So that's my two penneth worth, as, as they say up there. Fair enough. I'm going to leave a comment uh, up on the screen. I'm not going to read it out um, because uh, you never know. We'll leave that for the video. That is, uh, that is yeah. something to think about, but maybe we'll draw a veil over that as they say. Indeed. If you are listening to this on uh, Spotify or any of the audio, uh, yeah, come back to the YouTube and you'll kind of see that one for yourself. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying anything. I, I, listen, I chuckled. There was a wry smile for oh, me. Oh, I did it, but it's, but it's the wrong kind of chuckle. But yes, it's... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, New York Comic Con, did you manage to get around the show itself and see more of it? Get the oh, yes. Of, uh, yeah, we, we did spend what, a number of days. It's... So, what was NYCC like uh, this time around? Because I know that they were doing all that building. They were expanding mm -hmm. the convention center, the Javits, and they were doing what they can with the building, doing the changes to the layout. How was it different to your previous NYCCs? Um, it was a, it's still a great show. But I, I miss uh, Dark Horse, who who didn't set up this year. Because in previous years, pre-COVID, the Dark Horse stand was like the big place where everyone would meet, and it was amazing. It had Game of Thrones figures, it had Dark Horse graphic novels. It was it was carpeted. It was a really lovely place. And Dark Horse, um, they, you know, they have newer newish owners, the the Scandinavian gaming company, and I guess they decided they were going to sit it out. They were there, but they weren't yeah. set up. So I felt like it was an absence. Um, I mean, you had people like Mad Cave who had a really nice stand. I have to say that I think Mad Cave probably had the nicest stand of the whole show because it was bigger than they'd ever done. And, and they're a really cool company. And we, we've done a lot with them. And, and, and they've been incredibly supportive of us. I'm suspecting it's very much like um, San Diego then, uh, or the other big I've shows. I've been in a long time, but I guess they, you've had right. that absence of certainly a number of uh, what would be established companies on that floor. They've decided to take a stand back. And all of a sudden, yes. you've got this these spaces for companies to really kind of blow up and show what they yes. can do. Mad Cave is one. Vault did really well. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've all had a good stand. I have to say, yeah. I've all had a really nice stand this time. Um, so it was. It always has a good feel. I, I will always say that the Artist Alley in New York, if you took that out of the show, it would be one of the greatest US comic shows in the world because you've got so many amazing people there and it's, and it's, it's incredible, all these incredible talents all in one place. Cool. Excellent. Um, like I say, it's a show that I'd love to go to. It's just something that I haven't been able to either afford. Well, you one year, I know there was one year where it didn't quite gel, but you know, so it's going to be around. So, so, close. so hopefully yeah, next time I'm, you'll make it. What, having, having an actual airline collapse a week oh, before you're about to fly. That's and a travel company as well, wasn't it? It was pretty impressive. It was. It was, that, that's the you've got to be careful definitely. in who you book. I mean, people might say, Mr. Sultana, I think we, we remember you. You booked talk through Thomas Cook, didn't you? And that, that didn't end well. So No, but but that's definitely the gods letting me know that uh, New York Comic Con was not on my cards. wasn't on the cards for that year, but Absolutely. future years, hopefully. Well, you've been to two shows as well, um, and we're going to lead on to the reason why you went, certainly to the, uh, the yes, second Yes, of course. You've been to um, Anglomay, and you've yes. been to, oh, was it Lake Como that you went to? Yes, well, that was last May. Right. Actually. I guess it's I been a while since I've spoken to you, so I'm happy to talk to you about that. I want you to talk to me about Lake Como, because number one, gorgeous venue, gorgeous part oh, of the world. stunning. But from what I've been told as well, it is very much an artist show. So um, what did you get out of the show? What did you see there, and what did you feel about that kind of focus when it came to a comics art show 
I thought it was very refreshing because there were no stormtroopers and there were no people dressed as Harley Quinn. And no offense to any of the cosplayers because they had a bit of color to like no. a regular show. Here's the thing. I've, I mean, I, I I am a VR user, and yes. um, there's a, a couple of sites where you can go on and just have a, a couple of videos that people have done in VR. And there was a Lake Como video from about Seriously? two years ago of cosplay at Lake Como. And I went, oh, wow. I didn't think they did that. But but they but not last year. They, there wasn't any of that. What you have is you have some incredible artists. I mean, what I did, I used it as an opportunity to film. So I filmed Simon Bisley, Lee Mayho. Um, Cully Hamner and Mike Grell just on my crappy phone and it's just it's amazing I mean unfortunately the art is far too rich for my blood any of the art I mean, it doesn't matter if they're you know even if somebody like uh, Ricardo Federici is a great artist so obviously he's a he's a newer artist but I couldn't afford anything he was selling but it's just fascinating to walk around and see these guys I mean I got to meet Kevin Eastman who was there and the nice thing is there are the queues are tiny so if you go there you might have to wait for five or ten minutes but you get the chance you can just chat with people and it, it's amazing and there were two or three original art dealers there was Salab and Antti because Sinkevich wasn't there or Ross but he was there representing and, and there was Liam Sharp's art dealer and a couple others I can't remember I'm afraid but they had some incredible stuff so it was a it, it, and it's and it's such a lovely place like before it started the day that it started i got the bus to this amazing 18th century villa up the road this napoleonic villa and it and so i had to walk around there and 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 the launches at this amazing uh this villa erba in chernobyl they have a launch with the, where they cater and they have free booze it's, it's amazing i have to say it's it's quite the experience it's very different to wandering around a kind of sweaty hall with people dressed as lobo um and and funkos it's very different so i really enjoyed it and i'm i've booked a hotel for this coming year and hopefully i get to go back again does it feel like a little bit more like the rarefied air when it comes a little to bit yeah i mean it's a little bit what market i mean you know dave mckean was there as well and you get to what you can watch oh. people sketch and and as i said bisley was there it was a huge queue and bisley was amazing he's he's and uh travis charest and peaches momoko and and dan brett and it's, it's amazing got, and it's you, you, and you, you can just chat some, to these people you still know. got some really nice mainstream artists there Oh yeah, yeah. No, there's some big names. Art Adams was there. I mean, blimey. I mean, that's not it's not too shabby, is it? And this year they've got no, a pretty cool. impressive lineup too. Sure. Uh, you got into the blue, Mr. Lissier. Lake Como had a lovely poster designed by a friend of the show, Bill Sinkevich. Absolutely, Bill um, uh, did a cracking job on that particular. Oh, uh, I saw that. That was beautiful. Very, very but no, nice. it was it was it was it was very nice. I mean, it was very chilled. You didn't feel you had to sit for hours. You weren't battling through hordes of people and dreading having to go back on one of the days just because of the crowds and. It was, and, and the food, obviously, the food was a lot better than the New York show. I mean, apologies to Reed. Uh, but the food, if you go out into the town, you can have an amazing, you know, like a pizza or a pasta with an incredibly nice glass of red or a bottle of beer. I mean, it was just, you can't beat that. So I, I you know, I mean, it's horses for courses, as they say, but it was, it was, it was, it was a pretty amazing experience. Excellent. Excellent. Now, in that regard, because like I say, Lake Como is something that I would love to go, but I would feel, a little kind of jeans and t-shirt is not exactly yeah you feel a little well i, uh, I dress in jeans and t-shirts so you know you are one you are one that um, manages to fit into all places sir so that, well that's hopefully <laughs> so how does that feel then against another show that i would really like to go to and it's a lot closer it's right there i could possibly get there which is Anglomay. um again yes. this is another show that feels very much kind of uh, a little bit rarefied, but this seems it sounds a little bit more accessible. And you actually went there um, as a promoter, kind of, because um, you were yes. uh, showing off uh, your own original work, which we'll kind of lead into. 
talk about Angra uh, how was that show? Was that uh, a similar vibe to Como, or is that, is that kind of like it a, was? It, mid, it, was, it was different point between the two. It, it was different to Como because they have a rights area where people go to sell their books, which, as you say, is one of the reasons why I was there. I mean, I went there last in 1999, so it's 25 years, so it's a hell of a long time ago. I don't remember that much about it, but they have a rights area where they have publishers, you know, people selling their wares to publishers, and then they have a number of different tents. They have a ridiculous, the scale is massive. Like, you go into one tent, I was looking for Brian Talbot's publisher, and it's got a really small opening. So you go into this little area, and then you go in down this staircase into this other area which is sort of 15 times the size of the original area you went into and it's huge and it goes on forever and you keep walking along and and there's four or five of these places and it's just the size of it is insane i mean it's just completely nuts cool i mean it's it's something that i've always wanted to uh, check out as a show um because it does feel again like it's i mean the French um, for the strengths and <laughs> pros and cons of the French. Yeah, the one yes. thing that they do is absolutely respect comics as an art form. They oh, respect totally. the artist. They respect the creator, and um, they really uh, go all out to really put um, uh, comics on a pedestal. Um, did it feel um, as a Brit going across? Mm. Then yes. you did feel a little kind of jealous about the prestige that the French give the art form and you just think why on earth why can't we have that outside of this particular uh, uh, event Oh, totally. I mean, the the, main, the tent where they were actually selling books. So you had people like Glenn Atch, you had Dargo, you had all of the big publishers. They had huge stands with these beautiful books that were so gorgeous. I mean, you could just spend hours just thumbing through them. It's basically urban comics who do French editions of DC books and, and image books. And they, they look stunning. They had like a huge hellblazer hardback in French, reprinting a bunch of issues. And it was, as you say, they, they treat them with, with respect. And sadly, despite, you know, the, the best efforts of places like Thought Bubble, and, and the lakes and other shows which obviously you know, their heart's in the right place but you know culturally it's still very different i mean i bought a copy of spiro which is this magazine which i think mobius started in i bought this huge telephone directory book for like nine euros 90 from the local news agents i thought this is such a stunning book i, I want to take one home but it was everywhere you know you could go into your like even at the train station in angolem you could buy and the little news agents around the corner from where we were staying in our airbnb it was it was fantastic it, they do treat it differently and it is sad it's got a little better over here but it's still not quite there it may never reach that point um what i've noticed when it comes to how i've studied uh, the french landscape for comics they've certainly gone the way of um hardback uh prestige print and yes, really kind oh, yes, of, totally. uh, they, they've gone the, the kind of the, the literary element or literary um, approach to, to comics yes um, which kind of makes me ask the question was there any conversation at Anglomé uh, about the collapse of um, oh good god! All of a sudden, the, the words just dipped out, dipped, disappeared out of my head. Um, uh, which one? Heavy metal. <laughs> it's something uh, funny. Uh, well, actually, there were. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who shall remain nameless. Actually, it wasn't about the current collapse. It was about right. something else from twenty years ago. He was offered heavy metal, but. I, mean, I can't really go into detail because this was this was discussed over a few drinks at the bar at the Mercure. Um, it wasn't really discussed. The heavy metal collapse, as you say, because if you look at Wikipedia now, they describe it as a magazine that was published. Um, but I mean, the thing is, Metal Holland, which obviously is the French, you know, the progenitor of heavy metal, had an amazing stand and these beautiful oh, issues really? you could buy. And they're, they're apparently planning to launch like a US edition of Metal Holland. 
I met a guy, but they were the most beautiful magazines I've ever seen. And they were, they were basically alternating between new material and reprints of people like Mobius and Dwyer and Enki Bilal and, and all these other incredible metal halon artists. So it wasn't discussed the, as you say, the collapse of, of the U S version. Um, but metal halon is, you know, it's, they've got plans, which I think is really interesting. Because I didn't know about that, so yeah. I, I wish them well. Hope the curse of heavy metal doesn't uh, descend upon them, because that ha seems to have happened a few times. Is a show like um, uh, Anglame and Lake Como, where it is very much about the artists and the creators, not so much the publishers as such, from what I can gather. It's very much about mm. the creative level. Yes, is that when um, a lot of conversations happen about the industry and about? the ills of the world. I can imagine the, the, the uh, bark on at such uh, the, these particular events. Oh, yes. Very in industry driven and very kind of, okay, the whole thing's broken. We need to tear it all down. Come on, let's nail, nail the bastards to the wall. You know, it, it gets, I can imagine suddenly a vive la revolution. <laughs> uh, I can imagine it gets really kind of passionate uh, at bark on about um, the industry and how artists and creators are treated. Um, a, a little bit, but I mean, I spent most of my time with, actually, I, work, I work with somebody I know from American comics and he shared a lot of interesting stories. Um, I mean, my French is not great. So unfortunately I didn't get the chance to hang out much with, you know, the European and the French uh, right. publishers, which is, which is a shame. Um, I mean, I did speak to them, you know, referring to what you're talking about to talk to publishers, to try and find a home uh, for, for my comic. Um, but beyond that, sadly, I, I didn't really, get the chance to socialize which is a pity because I'm, I'm sure they would have some interesting stories and I, I, i'm sure you know i'm sure they had a lot of interesting insights but as in my french is it's rather basic unfortunately so fair enough well in that case let's talk about one of the reasons why you went okay. to okay and also uh, something that you want to talk about on on the show which is um you you've got some skin in the game now um, I have. It's, been, it's only taken 22 years to publish. It's that. taken a while. Um, you've, has, uh, yes. had, you've had um, Tripwire as a commentator on comics, and this is where I'm reminded of uh, High Fidelity, that whole idea of uh, you've been a professional critic, now it's time to get some skin in the game. And oh, yes. you've got some. You have a book, have. which is Sherlock Holmes and the Empire Builders, The Gene Genie. This is volume number one. I've got my hardback copy because... Of course, um, of course I, one, I, one I of two book. covers, because I have Indeed. we had two covers, of course. And uh, this is uh, yourself and um, uh, Andy Bennett uh, that have put this together. Let's talk about this book. And um, yes, of course. Uh, where where would you like to start? About, well, when where did it start? Because uh, this is, like I say, a long time coming. Well, basically, it started life with another artist, which didn't quite work out. And we'll, we won't go into detail about that. You know, shit happens, as they say. Um, so it's twenty something. There you go. There's the other cover. That's the Mark Chirello uh, cover as well, which also is rather handsome. Um, so basically, I, I was going to do this 20-something years ago, and I sent it out to Dark Horse and to Vertigo, and they didn't bite. And I thought, what the hell? I put it down, and I picked it up again. When we do a thing called Lost Tales on the website, and my friend Scott Braden said, have you got any comics that you tried to get off the ground, but you didn't? So I said, yeah, of course, I've got the Sherlock Holmes thing. So we got chatting, and it got me thinking that maybe I should have another crack at it. So it was about 2017 or 18, I guess. And we tested the waters with three shorts. So the shorts ran in three issues of Tripwire and they were very well received. There we go. That's one of them. Um, and I was very chuffed with it. So I thought I would, you know, really dive in and, and do, because this is a two part story, but the first part is 65 pages and then volume two will be 
65 at least it might be slightly longer but you know the reception was really good and i really enjoyed doing it also we had the pin-ups as well um if you wanted to at the, at the back of the book so we, we commissioned a number of pieces of art from people like uh, barry I'm gonna, I'm gonna say i'm gonna save that for uh, people who actually buy the book I'm no, fair enough. But anyway, I'm going to mention I'm not gonna put them on Fraser screen, Irving, yeah. Barry Kitson, yeah. um, Liam Sharp, which actually wasn't created for us specifically, but uh, David Hitchcock. So it was black and white, but with a really nice colour section. Um, and yeah, it's 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 kind of snowballed. So we offered it through Zoop. Did really well as, as two limited hardbacks um, with a signed plate edition as well. And we offered it through Lunar and Diamond. Um, and so yeah, I was I was in France to try and find a French publisher. So I've talked to five people, and I'm just waiting. You know, I followed up, but I'm waiting to see because obviously it's a ridiculously huge show. So I imagine I got a lot of things to catch up on. So I will be following up again, probably in a week or two. Um, so yeah, I'm very proud of it. You know, it's, it's I'm, it feels it still feels quite strange to have a comic so, with my name on it, but in a good way. Uh, when it comes to Andy Bennett, what made him the ideal fit for this story that you'd put together? I mean, was it something that the pair of you kind of brought them, uh, brought the story to life, or was it something that you brought to him and went, okay, this is how I feel this story could be told, or did he have his own spin on the whole thing? Well, I guess I, I did bring it to him, but the weird thing about Andy is that, you know, he's American, but I think he's got quite a British sensibility as an artist. So I think he manages to bring that. And he's, in, he's incredibly talented. I mean, his work is detailed and his lines are beautiful. I've been looking at some of the panels, you know, after the book is out, which I'd forgotten, and, and looking at them published, and they are incredible, because I haven't really had a proper look at the book, because there are certain things that obviously I wrote, and I put it in, you know, I, I was designing the book for the printer, but I may not perhaps looking at it in the same way as if, as if a reader would. Um, so he's just, you know, I'm incredibly lucky. He's, he's, he's an incredibly talented artist. Why Sherlock Holmes? I mean, heaven knows we've we had this conversation a couple of years ago, or indeed very recently, when you just think of a, a, another Sherlock Holmes, another take on the story. Why Sherlock Holmes? And what did you feel you wanted to bring to the Arthur Conan Doyle uh, legacy? Well, I've always enjoyed Holmes since I was a kid. I was a big fan of, uh, you know, young Sherlock Holmes, the Jeremy Brett ITV TV series. I even quite liked the Guy Ritchie, uh, Robert Downey Jr. films. Um, and I thought I could try and do something different. So this is a, a sci-fi steampunk adventure story. So you've got Holmes, but he's older. And, and Watson is there, but the, the relationship is very different. And I, I've set it in a world where you've got real-world figures, Os Oswald Mosley. So it is, it's a very different take, I'd like to think, on, on what people have seen before. And it seemed to suit, you know, the comic format. So and, and I've really enjoyed doing it. I've been using a lot of kind of like London history. Volume 2 has a number of new characters, so I've started to write Volume 2. Um, so there's an interesting historic, uh, British historical figure who figures quite a lot in the second volume. Um, so you know, I'm I'm very proud of it, and I wanted to do something different with the character, and because he's such an iconic character and figure, I feel like in the way, same way as someone something like a Batman in comics is that there's a lot of you know latitude that a creator can have with Holmes, so he doesn't always have to be exactly like the Conan Doyle portrayal of the figure. Now, when it comes to, I mean, like I say, this has been a long time coming, uh, a long gestation in getting uh, the book. Uh, from an original idea to, to publishing. Um, and we have had a number of uh, um, uh, uh, takes on Sherlock Holmes. From your original idea and from an original thought of what Sherlock Holmes is, coming across all these different versions of Sherlock Holmes as you were bringing the book to life, 
did your perception of Sherlock Holmes change? A, a perception of the character, of the universe, or did you do your best to actually stay to that original kernel of an idea and bring it to uh, fruition with the publication? I mean, I, I tried to stick as closely as possible to my original concept, but I watched uh, the Ian McKellen film called Mr. Holmes, where he lives on the South Coast and he's an older figure and he's got, you know, early dementia and it relates to like his final case. And it's possible that my will have subconsciously influenced me a little, but, but regarding the other things, I think that basically I've tried to stay true to my original idea from 2002, really. Cool. Cool stuff. How did it uh, go down at Unglamay? And by the way, that's my favourite page. The one on the right with yeah. him in Chinatown in Limehouse. I think that's probably my favourite page of the whole first volume. Outstanding. Well, there it is. So everyone can see it and uh, everyone can uh, get their own copy. Yeah, what what, what did they make of um, uh, Sherlock Holmes and your take on Sherlock Holmes at Unglamay? Uh, well, I guess people seem to enjoy it. I mean, it's it was a very brief thing. People, I mean, the thing I'm really proud of is that these books were designed to be of a very high production value. We wanted to make sure that we hit the ground running to make sure that these books could compete very easily with, you know, a book from Image or a book from DC or Dark Horse or, or any publisher. Um, and, and I think the response was good. I mean, you know, to be fair, I was leaving these books with people and they, it's a very busy show. So it, it was just an initial contact just to say, you know, here's the book. I'd like to follow up with you, you know, after the show. So, but people seem to respond well, but it, it was a, it was a brief reaction. Um, and I th people obviously haven't, hadn't read the book when I left it with them, but I'm hoping that they will have the chance to give it a proper read. So yeah, I mean, it was positive, but fairly brief. So it, it's not fair. So, so I'm waiting to see, you know, what people's reaction was after the show. Um, what I was struck by uh, when reading the book um, is that it feels very much of its medium uh, in that you were Well, thank you. That, that was the intention. You're, you're, you're not, you weren't, it wasn't being written. It wasn't being produced to be then developed into a TV series or outside of another medium. It was very much of uh, a graphic novel medium. And I, f I found that very refreshing because every once in a while you do end up reading some books where you just go, yeah, they've got their eye on the... Uh, yeah, I'm afraid. I won't, I won't mention names, but there are some comic series that feel like they were de developed literally just to sell to Netflix. And, and there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, per se. But, you know, comics, they should stand and fall on their own, fall in their own right. And it's got to be a strong story and it's got to be a strong story that utilizes the format well. And then you look at adapting it for TV or film. So that, that was the intention. The other thing I have done is I've deliberately made sure that there isn't tons of dialogue covering up um, Andy's art because, you know, comics is a visual medium and you've got to show rather than tell. And it would be doing him a disservice if I ended up plastering it with loads of, you know, hundreds of words of captions and, and dialogue. So I, I'm very I, did find that, I did find that refreshing from you. Uh, well, considering you. that you are somebody who turns a phrase and uh, likes yeah, to use true. a fair few words where uh, only maybe one or two will work, but this is certainly um, it's it's not bereft of such, but it's just very pared down. It's a very streamlined, but it's a very fast read. It's something Thank you can you. just kind of. It, it's a very. And I, easy, I, I, I wanted easy the pacing read. to be good to be fast but not but not make it feel like it was light but i wanted a lot to happen i mean it originally it was originally going to be a single volume but i thought there's a lot of story here so i thought it would make more sense to split it into two basically fair enough and let's talk about volume two i mean do you have thoughts on that when are we looking at i mean is it a case of let's see how volume one um lands how it uh, gets published it's uh, how it's received by publishers or is it something that you desperately feel that you can get done as a as a as a self-published um entity 
Well, we have to get it done because the story leaves you in the, on the, in the lurch, basically. So we have to finish hey, It the wouldn't story. be the first story to kind of uh, be stuck. Oh, I know. A, I mean, a, I don't a, want to do a, a mage. Banger. I mean, Matt Wagner is amazing, but I think it was a 15-year wait between the first and the second book of that. Um, so I'm hoping to get it either out for this year's Thought Bubble or possibly for next January. Wow. I mean, we have artists lined up. We have Dan Panosian and Kelly Jones for the two covers. And we have pinups. Uh, from Tom Coker, George Pratt, Barry Kitson, John K. Snyder III, um, and maybe a couple of other people. So I, I want to, because I feel like there's momentum here, and I feel like if we did leave it for a long time, is that momentum would go, and we would also, you know, upset the audience, because we want, you know, we, we, as I said, we, we've kind of, we've taken people on this ride, and I feel like we need to finish the ride, we need to resolve the story. So I have started, I've written six pages of script of the second book already. Fair enough. Um, let's, I mean, hopefully we've whetted one or two people's appetite. I hope so. I mean, it's available. Well, it's the best place places. for people to uh, pick a copy of Sherlock Holmes and the Empire Building Builders Volume 1. Where can they get their own copy? Well, I mean, they can either get it directly from our big cartel, and I, I know I gave you the link for that. Apologies, Indeed. it's a very complicated thing, so I don't remember it. So there's that. There are copies at Forbidden Planet in London. Um, there's also, there are print-on-demand copies from Amazon, and there should be Kindle copies coming imminently as well. Um, and your local comic shop, we could badge your local comic shop because it's through Luna and it's through Diamond as well. Um, I don't remember the item number, unfortunately, but if you just tell people the title, then they'll be able to order, because it's available for reorder. We got initial orders from those two places, but people will certainly be able to reorder it. Um, it was in Gosh, but I think we've sold out at Gosh now because we did a signing there with Derek Barry Kitson and Fraser Irving in January. So it, it is readily, and from June, it'll be readily available through UK bookshops. Um, thank you, through uh, Turnaround. So people have to go into their local Waterstones or local bookshop in the UK and, you know, order it from their local bookshop. It must be incredibly satisfying to be able to do that, to sort of like pop into Waterstones and see your book on the shelf. And, oh, it's uh, amazing. I mean, I, I say, after all, after all this time of being a professional critic as... I took it, a photo of it in Planet the other day on their in their new comic shelves as you come in downstairs, and that was amazing because that was literally next to your, you know, the new Image collection and the new Marvel book, and that was that was it. It does still, as I said, it still feels a little bit unreal, but I am chuffed. I managed. I mean, we did submit it to a number of big publishers who turned us down, so we decided to do it ourselves. Cool. Um, and the next project, so let's talk about other things that you've got uh, lined up because you've, there's something that's on the way, uh, which yes. you're talking about, uh, which I've kind of, I've known about this kind of, because it's something that you've been wanting to do it for is, some yes. time. And I'm, it's been, um, it's certainly been on the, uh, the burner for a while. And it's, it's great to hear that uh, you're, you're finally getting um, your, your way around this, which is face to face, uh, which looks remarkably like this or it's something yes. that the things that you're doing and it's basically a um creative projects a portrait sorry because you are a, a prolific uh, photographer yes um, if, uh, anyone who's followed uh, joel on his uh, social medias you know that the man uh likes to take a pic every once in a while but he has taken some photos of some very uh, prolific and uh worthwhile um creators we've got a couple on here let's talk about the actual uh, project itself um is it, I mean, was this something that you wanted to do on print for a while or is it something, what was the, the, the kind of evolution of the project to where we, we are now with what you're wanting to do with the, uh, the, 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 the crowdfunding? 
Well, I guess the thing is that whenever I interview people, if I do it face to face, I like to take pictures of them that I have myself because obviously people can supply, you know, portrait photos and things. But I, I enjoy doing it because I feel like it's an extension of the interview um, that, that I do. Um, and I just I wanted to stick it in a book because I've got some you know pretty amazing pictures over the years of some some pretty impressive subjects. I mean, this book has fifty people in it. So apart from Posey Simmons, I've already shown me. It's also got Alan Moore, Michael Moorcock, Guillermo del Toro, Andy Serkis, Dave Gibbons. Um, I can't remember the list. Says oh, uh, Terry I, Gilliam. I have I have the list in front of me, and it is quite insane. Uh, just the, <laughs> the, the the amount of people you, you you've spoken to and got photos with, which is. Uh, Yes, uh, I mean, it really is the great and the good when it comes to uh, uh, the comics and uh, the comic uh, 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 landscape. Um, when it comes to, I mean, how long are these photos? Uh, what's the, the the lifespan of some of these pictures? Well, some of them are older. I have a photo of Simon Bisley from 1992 because I wanted to show how he's changed, you know, over the years. And I've done that with a few people like Brian Tall, but I have some pictures going back sort of 10 or 15 years. And I have an Alan Moore photo from 2000 in the Alan Moore section. Oh, there we go. So the one on the top left-hand corner and the top right, they're from 2000, and the other two are more recent. So I, just, I like to show just the development of the, of the subject that I've shot where I can and it, so I said the earliest one is 92, the busy one, which I haven't finished designing yet. But I just wanted to just show people's development over their career and just, you know, how they've changed. Uh, I mean, you've also got some uh, great copy in there as well. Uh, not only just talking about the subjects, but also from them, themselves. Uh, I mean, yes. are these quotes that were taken at the time or are they, slightly, are they more retrospective of uh, a, a career well lived? Well, most of them are. Well, a lot of them are taken from interviews that I've done with them, but they may not be contemporaneous with the photos that they accompany, but sometimes they are. I mean, the, the, it's great to see the Alan Moore, uh, like you say, the evolution uh, from that. Um, I mean, the picture on the right is a very familiar one to people who follow me on things like Indeed. social media. And I did a, for our 21st anniversary, I did a huge A1 print of it, which is sitting in my lounge because the frame is broken. So, and I, I'm, I'm almost tempted to give it away as like a super stretch goal if we get really past our target. Wow. Basically, doing it, basically rolling it up and get, get someone can get an A1 print. But obviously, that's huge. And it's a monster piece but no i i just i wanted you know i enjoy taking pictures i mean actually i interviewed liam sharp quite recently in november just after thought bubble for imagine effects and i took some pictures of him back in his studio back in derby and i really enjoyed doing it and it kind of i guess that might have been like another trigger to get this book rolling i mean yeah Again. why in 2024 to to get a book done i mean like i say you've been talking about this for a while yes i just i just fancy doing it i just fancy the idea of having a photography but i did do one which wasn't great about 15 years ago. These shots are a lot stronger. And I just like the idea of having a photography book with my name on it. I thought it might be fun. And, and they, they are good shots. I'm very proud of them. There are some really good pictures. And the Andy Serkis one's interesting because they were taken at a round table in New York uh, when the third Planet of the Apes one came out. So they were taken very much on the fly and they were taken very quickly. And they, were, they are candid, but I, I think they're very good shots. Cool. You know, and there is a quality threshold to all of the pictures, except Bisley is not brilliant, but I, I, I've kept it, I've kind of broken my own rules there a little bit because I think it's an interesting picture. But as a rule, I try to make sure that these pictures are all of a certain quality. Excellent. I mean, like I say, this is a Kickstarter which is imminent. Um, it's it's pre-launch now, so people right. can sign up yeah. for the pre-launch. I was about to say, do you have a, a, a kind of time frame in mind? When, when, when are you thinking that this is going to be uh, going live? Probably, probably a week on Tuesday, and we'll give you a little bit of time to, to 
to sign up for the pre-launch. And then once uh, once we've had a week or so, uh, we, we'll go live. So, we, you know, we're, we're getting there. Excellent. Yeah. There you go. There's the there's the link projects slash tripwire one hundred slash face dash two dash face dash zero. It just, really just rolls off the tongue, really, doesn't it? The absolutely. <laughs> I really should have said that out loud as well for the um, the big cartel page, uh, which is oh yes, please, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, people get zero. the Holmes books and also some issues of tripwire on there as and our thirty anniversary book. If people feel so inclined, because we did a, a very nice looking hardback which is available to order on there. So if people want to check that out too, they're more than welcome. Right. Well, this is more for the audio uh, podcast. So you, if you're listening, it's T-R-P-W-I-R-E. So tripwire without the first I. So T-R-P-W-I-R-E 1001.bigcartel.com. Do check that out for your copies. And I'm going to be adding things to it over the next few months, probably as well as I go. So I'll be able to buy old issues of the mag. So I've just been doing it in, Sort of dribs and drabs, but I will be, I will be adding to that every time there's a new issue of Tripwire. I do plan to include it on there. Excellent. You've got a comment here from Into the Blue, Mister. I met uh, Mister Beisley in 1992. I remember him. Uh, rem <laughs> seem to remember him looking like Lobo. Uh, yes, this, he, he, uh, he, yes, that's true. He was quite bikery in 92 but i saw him it, there was one period was a bit like ricky tomlinson in one of the photos um then i saw him at como and he's you know he's, a, he's 60 now but he was still wearing like an iron maiden t-shirt which i thought was quite refreshing cool. so he's always and he was he was so nice at como he's really he's one of his you know and he's a good he's a good guy there's always a long queue for him and you know i just i've known him for a long time i wanted to put him in the book again to kind of reflect kind of his career and just how he's developed over the last few years understandable understandable um well i mean joel it sounds like you've been i've got a lot of things busy. on and there might be some other things for that in the early stages well i mean yeah please uh, is there anything that you feel you can tease anything that you else that you've well got i'm, I'm thinking about doing a little book of or a series like three a5 hardcover archive editions reprinting um some stuff from tripwire because the anniversary book although it looks nice it didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to so i'm considering that but but that's in the very early stages and i haven't decided yet and we are probably going to do a crowdfunder for the next print mag as well because the next print mag which should be out around about june time is going to have a sean phillips cover because it's 25 years of sean phillips and ed brubaker working together so we're going to commemorate that with two exclusive interviews with them we're going to look at old crime comics going back to the 40s and we're going to have a piece about mad cave uh, 10 as well because it's their anniversary so we got some really and the thing about this capital crime um festival in london so it's gonna be another another really strong issue so yeah i've got we've got a lot of things planned excellent well i mean and there's like two as well which i'm still working through but that is to be confirmed in terms of when people will see that but sooner rather than later i would say so when I turned around and said that Joel really can keep talking about the projects he's doing and what he's gotten up to, because my word, there's a, a lot on his plate. There's a lot I, of things I, to talk about, yes. Yeah, I did yes, try. Yeah. I did try and um, kind of uh, get as much as I could talked about there. But uh, it does seem like there's so much more that uh, uh, Joel's got. And on, if people on. want to go to the Tripwire website, which is HTTPS, I can't remember the exact. You have to, can you look it up, please, then, as the exact URL? Well, I mean, if you're going to say HTTPS, https tripwire magazine you really are kind of showing your age there mate so just to uh, let you know but no but it uh, does yes. actually it does actually say that yeah well you know i, I get I'm what sorry. you're saying <laughs> right <laughs> but um i mean where where else can people kind of follow like i say you've got all this stuff that you've got uh, uh, on on the on the cards 
where can people follow what you're up to? Because I was well, going to put on. Go on, yeah, you, you, you say there, there is Twitter as, as at Joel Meadows one on Twitter, and then there's Joel Meadows Facebook. Uh, threads, and threads yes. Threads is where it's at. That's where the cool Actually, kids I, are. I'm not sure we have a tripwire mag. Maybe we do. Forgive me if that's right. Then I apologize. You do. It's is tripwire right? mag. You, yeah, it's there. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I have so many social media accounts. I don't mm. remember all of them. And there's Instagram, which is I think I think it's Bristol Comic Con, which you keep meaning to change. Or there's tripwire. But there, I, there's a lot of different social. And there's also a Facebook group for Tripwire Magazine as well, which people are welcome to join. Well, I mean, there, there's plenty of places. There's to too many. There's plenty of places. People just search, and then they'll find us. Absolutely. Well, I mean, my success, all my success uh, goes out to you for when it comes to face. -to -face. Leonard, thank you so much. It's always um, a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I will recommend to everybody to check out Sherlock Holmes. It's still available. Um, Copies are still available from, from various uh, outlets. I mean, what Joel and um, uh, Andy have done with this book, highly recommend uh, checking it out. And it certainly leaves you wanting more. Looking forward to seeing what you do with Volume 2. Thank Joel, you. thank you very much indeed for coming Leonard, on and being our pleasure. first thank back, mate. Thanks again. Much appreciated. Thanks, man. Take, Take care. Take it easy. Nice. Thanks for having me on there. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Excellent. So, wow, uh, that got a little bit blistering at the back end because there was lots of stuff to talk about. But no, do check out uh, Joel's um, stuff because, like I say, I find it so exciting that he, I mean, he's been uh, publishing for a while and it, the photograph book face-to-face uh, -face makes a little sense. But to actually get his skin in the game and actually make a comic, I, I think it's just incredibly exciting. Do check it out. Um, Sherlock Holmes and the Empire Builders, available at uh, Tripwire's uh, Big Cartel page. You can search for that, of course. Right. Um, that's kind of our show, but we do have some bits and pieces that I do want to talk about because uh, there's plenty of things that have been uh, uh, announced. And also, I want to kind of add some new features to uh, the show. I think we're going to be losing our Instagram uh, feed relatively soon, but uh, hopefully, you can uh, kind of rewatch this on YouTube. Or on Facebook, and each and every week we'll do our best to make this a little bit of a uh, review section of um, uh, things that you can get uh, uh, get online and see out and about, uh, because there are so many exciting things that are currently happening, especially when it comes to uh, pop culture. And uh, like I say, we'll give you all the updates we can when it comes to uh, San Diego Comic Con and indeed WonderCon. Badges for WonderCon are on sale. Uh, as we speak, get ready for the return of WonderCon in 2024 uh, with 900 plus exhibitors uh, in a 412 square foot exhibit hall uh, at the uh, convention center in Anaheim. Uh, plenty of things to uh, see and the, the guest lists are slowly but surely uh, getting uh, announced. So please do head to w, uh, sorry, uh, comic-con.org slash WC and get your badges. Uh, like I say, March 29th, 31st, of WonderCon, it's on the way. And as we uh, get closer and closer to WonderCon, we'll give you more and more updates as uh, that uh, goes ahead. Other things that I want to talk about and uh, get up to are what we're going to be doing on the show. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, comics that I'm reading and certainly things that I would recommend uh, when it comes to uh, comics. If you are heading to your comic book shop or if you're going to your reader, uh, do uh, check out um, uh, some titles that I, I would heartily recommend. I mean, there are some honorable mentions. Uh, if you have been reading Tom King's uh, Wonder Woman uh, series, which he's, he's been doing, you may have been seeing down at the bottom at the back of the book, you may have been seeing a, uh, a backup story called Trinity, which is kind of like the next generation of heroes. You've got Damien, uh, who's taken on the, the mantle of Batman. You've got John Kent, who's uh, the new Superman. And you have the new 
Wonder Woman or Wonder Girl, um, the, the Trinity, uh, which is introduced in the covers of this particular book. But the comic that I'm going to recommend as my honourable mention is actually a special that's out at the moment, which is the Legends of Tomorrow Meet Today, which is Trinity. It's available now. Uh, it got released last week, I believe. And it is basically what I thought was a bit of a, a con I was reading through. And you've got Tom King's uh, work in there. You've got... Um, uh, Sampir on art, you've got uh, Ortega on art as well, and you thought to yourself at first, oh, it's just a reprint of all the stories from the Wonder Woman um, uh, floppy, and I, it, I thought, okay, that seems a bit of a jip, but then you've got a, a an original section at the back which really does follow on, and reading it as a complete uh, issue, it really does barrel through uh, this creation of the next generation of heroes, and what Tom King has done with this particular character. It's very very cool indeed do check that out trinity special is uh one of my honorable mentions the other honorable mention is a book which is called beyond real now this is from vault comics um and it is uh from uh, uh, i believe it's um uh, zach kaplan fabiana mascolo and tony fazula on art and uh colorist uh, is uh, jody belair as well hassan usman Helhau on uh, lettering this has gotten a little bit of attention because it is a book which has effectively been given to retailers to sell and push uh, with the ability to um, either um, return or it's it just basically without any kind of uh, ties to a comic book shop, which means there's no incentive. It's not going to be stuck on a shelf somewhere. Um, uh, as it happens, uh, as a new idea for uh, a connection for a publisher to connect with their um, comic book shop and therefore its audience, um, it seems like an experiment and it seems like a strange, uh, I can imagine if you were a, a writer, you'd think it seems a thing to kind of then uh, hinge my book on. Should, should my book be the experiment that this is kind of uh, lynched on? But as it happens, this is a bloody good story. Uh, Beyond Real is doing something with some amazing artwork, some great art styles in there as well. Um, it's uh, something which is incredibly relevant in, in terms of AI and virtual reality and virtual worlds. It's a hell of a read, and it's very visceral. Um, it's something which doesn't seem disposable. This is something which I'm going to be paying very close attention to, what they've done with this book and what Zap Kaplan's certainly done with his writing. I will heartily recommend Beyond Real. However, that isn't the book that I'm going to recommend. Um, my book of this week, uh, as my comic of the week, uh, is something which I've caught up on because uh, I've had it in my pull list. Uh, I haven't managed to be able to reach my comic book shop, which meant I kind of like struggled. Uh, and when I did, I got them all in one hit, which means I got quite the rush when it came to reading Transformers. Now, I was a bit iffy about this because Transformers for me has always been a product of the toys. It's a cartoon. It's something which has transcended a whole bunch of genres. It's a little bit like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in that regard. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles perhaps has a little bit more validity for me because it started as a comic and that makes a little bit more sense. Transformers was a toy. It, it, this seems like a tie-in, except this isn't. This is the last thing from a tie-in that you could possibly get. What Philip, um, uh, sorry, Dan, Darren, Daniel Warren Johnson has done with this is he's not 
he's not playing around at all. Um, what he's doing with the world of the Transformers, with the uh, the politic and the drive, and what is actually um, uh, bringing uh, the uh, the Autobots and the Decepticons into conflict, and dragging the humans into the middle of this massive interstellar war. It feels huge. It feels of some genuine genuine import. And um, there's some real heart and emotion and there's some real power in this writing. This is such a revelation to me. Uh, Mike Spicer doing great artwork uh, duties as well. Um, a little bit scratchy in places, but that really kind of makes it a very distinctive read. Um, it doesn't fit, like I say, feel like a tie-in. There's some, there's some dirt under the fingernails, if that makes any kind of sense. Kind of maybe not represented by this cover, which is as clean as it possibly gets. Um, but certainly when it gets to uh, uh, the, the back, I mean, yeah, most of these covers are really kind of kind of clean. Uh, I mean, I've got myself uh, issue number four, very kind of uh, uh, brash and bold and colourful. Um, but uh, no, it, it's a hell of a thing. And especially when you kind of like you read that first issue and you get that initial hit and you kind of... You're drawn in and you're brought in, but then you are absolutely dragged down the rabbit hole with the first, certainly the first four issues. Um, I'm not saying wait for the trade, but if you can hit read this as a hit in one big gulp, um, it is one hell of a thing. It's a made, it's a big meal, it's a big meal, and I would heartily recommend it. That is my comic of the week is Transformers by uh, Skybound Entertainment, published by Image. It is Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer, Transformers. Highly recommended. Right, and the last thing that I want to uh, do on the uh, the the, uh, the new talking con is uh, the recommended social media. Um, yes, uh, there's various ways that you can uh, find people and find out what people are up to and what companies are up to. Uh, but for me, uh, I am uh, very much uh, tying my uh, flag to the mast when it comes to um, threads. Uh, it's uh, a new home which uh, a lot of um, companies and artists and creators are finding fresh ground and ways to interact and find um, an audience with their uh, um, uh, people that they're wanting to get uh, their product out to, which is why it's been great to see uh, certainly um, uh, one company grabbing hold of threads and making it a, a major um, place to... Uh, put their uh, self out there and it is going to be my social media recommendation if you do go to uh, threads.net which is of course a free and open um uh, platform at the moment you've got something like 30 million people using threads at the moment it's uh, down from 6 million which is currently using blue sky it is certainly the one that people have gravitated to more uh, a little bit more of functionality one element of blue sky which i'm not too keen on is the slightly limited um, word count with um, uh, threads you are able to really kind of uh, put video out there put gifs out there and really kind of get a real capture of a uh, a strong um, uh, uh, account out there and which really uh, dist uh, distillery uh, distillery media have absolutely grabbed and uh, what they've done in terms of the promotion for their books have been amazing. Another book which I'd highly highly recommend is, well, there's two that they've got currently running at the moment, which is Gone, which is Jock's book, which is just uh, a gorgeous uh, sci-fi epic um, fantasy, which kind of fits into kind of like the same vibe as, say, the creator or, the, the, yeah, something like that, a real kind of like, uh, um, what else would I recommend? 
uh, I'd say it kind of fits in nicely with um, Oblivion as well, that kind of very stark kind of vibe, which is uh, very much uh, suited to uh, Jock's art style. Excellent uh, book to recommend, but also uh, the other um, uh, titles that uh, uh, Distillery have got going on. Uh, Somna as well, which is Tula Lote and Becky Clunan's book at the moment. In a very, very nice um, prestige format, although the, the digital artwork, a uh, digital version of uh, Distillery, also very good indeed. But what they're doing with their social media as well, they're doing uh, some fantastic behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, which you're able to uh, check out. You've got the uh, uh, the promotion of their digital uh, landscape, and also, like I say, behind-the-scenes stuff here. Uh, you've got here an original Somna sketch. This is from about a week ago. I'm afraid I think you might have missed out on this. But the chance to win uh, original artwork from the likes of Becky Clunan and Jock and Tula Lote. Highly recommended. If you can check it out, uh, if you are going to threads.net slash distillery, D-S-T-L-R-Y underscore M-E-D-I-A, distillery media, do check that out as my recommendation of social media channel of the week. If you have a recommendation, not only of a comic of the week, um, or but also a social media uh, channel, or just anything that you want to put out and uh, let the wider world know, let me know by jumping onto my social media and uh, yeah, uh, send me either a message uh, wherever you can find me. Uh, you can either put it in the comment down below. I'll read that. Like, subscribe, of course. Do the thumbs up bit. It really does help us spread the word. Um, so please do uh, uh, let us know uh, what you would like to spread out with the word. Either down below in the comments or you can uh, send me a message on Facebook, on um, threads, uh, anywhere that you want to reach me, Englishman SDCC or Englishman in San Diego, reach out and we'll do our best to spread the word for everybody else as well. And that's me. That's my show for this week. Thank you so much indeed for everyone who joined in. Thanks for uh, uh, Joel for uh, um, uh, jumping in with his comments. I think I got a last minute comment, which I just kind of wanted to spread as well. We've got ourselves into the blue mister. Really enjoying Godzilla versus Kong versus Justice League at the moment. It's not highbrow, but it is great fun in very much the same way as um, Wolverine versus Predator or Predator versus Wolverine. I'm struggling with connecting with this particular book because it feels like a nondescript tie-in i may have to on, on the back of your recommendation i'll have to check on that uh chuck cook is uh, talking about wondercon no bandai or funko at wondercon this year um this is something we i'm going to get into more about uh, wondercon next week i'm going to kind of break down what we learn and what we know about wondercon so far so we're going to get into that Andrew English is talking about uh, the, the show. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for the first episode of Season 11. Thank you so much indeed, sir. Solicitor Smeg, starting to worry a lot of comics uh, companies are realizing with the internet they don't really need cons. I mean, SDCC will be fine, but smaller, smaller cons may be in a bit of trouble. I think even that bit, I mean, SDCC will be fine. I think you could even stick uh, parentheses uh, around that. Um, I think fandom is in a little bit of a strange place at the moment and we'll see this year i mean i say this every single year oh it's gonna be an exciting year we'll learn where we are in the terms of the face of uh, fandom this year i think more than most we've had that one year where they've had the experiment of not going to sccc has it <laughs> did it make a difference will they be back we're going to find out this year um and certainly when you have a lot of companies which are starting to feel, I don't know if you've noticed this, they're starting to feel like their back is against the wall. Uh, the, the attacks are coming from all sides. Warner Brothers seem to be spiraling into some 
strange uh, business arrangement and uh, don't even get me started on Coy uh, Coyote versus Acme. Um, you've got um, the, the, the big um, superhero genre, genre seeming to be failing on its backside and that um, seems to be now looking in the real window of uh, a genre. Curious to see where we now will we be will we be seeing the grand reset in 2024? Who knows? Under English is saying see in a couple of weeks we'll be at London Anime and Gaming Con for the first time. You're gonna have to let us know how that looks. He likes to take his photos, so looking forward to seeing what he brings from uh, that. And hopefully he'll I'll, uh, see that on his social media. Or if you can send me a link, love to get some pictures up uh, on uh, the show. And please do let us uh, know what's going on. Uh, and then under English, uh, I wonder if SCCC had plugged all the holes and repairs from rainy season. Yes, I've seen those videos of uh, the convention center, certainly under some kind of, uh, of waterlogged and uh, San Diego taking a bit of a battering from uh, all the recent weather. Hopefully they are now recovered from uh, quite some severe storms and uh, we'll see some uh, brighter skies uh, in San Diego uh, as the year goes on. Right, uh, Chuck Cook, let's get started on Coyote versus Acme. You can find out more about that and my thoughts if you head to threads.net slash Englishman SDCC, because that's where I've been uh, saying my bits and pieces on that and various other pop culture bits and pieces as well. You can find me on Threads uh, at that account. That's our show. Thank you so much indeed for joining us today. Hope you've enjoyed it. Next week, uh, we've got ourselves a very exciting guest yet to be uh, announced. I'm trying to make sure it's all fully confirmed. So keep an eye on my social medias on Facebook, on uh, Instagram, on um, uh, YouTube, uh, on threads, uh, anywhere that you uh, follow me. I'll do my best to get that announced, hopefully, in the next couple of days. But yeah, I think it's uh, an exciting guest, and hopefully we can get that nailed down. And uh, back for next week. Talking Con, uh, uh, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego each and every Sunday from 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT. Hopefully, I will see you then next week. From me to you, enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego is a production for the Convention Collective. Follow all the latest convention news and updates, along with exclusive interviews, reviews, and articles at theconventioncollective.com. Any collaboration or show sponsorship inquiries can be sent to admin at theconventioncollective.com.